Hi, I'm Valerie Moisel. I've long dreamed of sharing a space where I can interview successful women and hear them talk from their hearts about how they found their way. What I'm learning is it's not such a linear path. We all have what I call the four S's. The initial spark, the snag which trips you up, the shift that helps you find your way to the final S, success. No, not always in that order. And yes, sometimes the steps repeat. Together, we will learn from each other and be inspired. These are women who rule. This is She Dynasty. Right, so I'm sitting here with Callie, my executive assistant, and Callie also is the PR coordinator for She Dynasty. Hello. How are you, Callie? I'm great. You also basically are running the entire show here. <laughs> Callie does such an amazing job, um, you know, doing all the outreach and coordination and helping me with my interview, and she really does so much more. So kudos to you for kind of acclimating to that so quickly. Thank you. So today I am going to be interviewing Kim Getty, and as you know, I'm very nervous. I do know this. <laughs> Why do you think I'm so nervous? Well, you both come from advertising worlds, and to you, Kim is like the top dog. Right. Well, you know, I think what's interesting for me is Kim and I have a lot of similarities, but we've taken kind of very different paths. You know, mm -hmm. right out of school, I started my own agency and she went down a more traditional path. And mm -hmm. what I think is so interesting about this is she learned how to succeed in an environment that had a ton of structure and rules. And I think that's way harder than what I did from my perspective because I had no rules, right? Yeah, you made your own. I made my own, but think about how much harder it is to get to a position of power when you have to make a lot of people happy and everyone's vying for the job. You know, for me, I was the boss from day one. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have those pressures. Obviously I have different pressures, but I'm always just kind of wowed by women who can make it to leadership positions because it's just a different path and a different skill set that you have to have. Totally. So Kim is the president of Deutsch Los Angeles, one of the most innovative creative shops in advertising. She's spearheaded breakthrough campaigns for Deutsch's roster of clients, including Taco Bell, Target, Volkswagen, H&R Block, Dr. Pepper, among others, and has been a key player in landing the agency on AdAge's agency A-list numerous times. She's passionate about creating change and has been recognized as one of the most powerful women in advertising by Business Insider. She was also named a top LA executive by Los Angeles Business Journal, just to name a few. She's also an advocate for inclusion and diversity. And last but not least, Kim is a wife and the proud mom of two daughters. Hi, Kim. Oh, hello, Valerie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so excited you're here. I'm a little nervous. I made you nervous because I, I told you I was nervous. <laughs> a little bit. What's so amazing about you is the second I asked you to be on the podcast, you said yes with no hesitation. So I really, really appreciate that. So thank you for being here today. It's a huge compliment for you to ask me and invite me. Thank so you. I appreciate that. Well, obviously, um, women helping women is something that you're passionate about. Tell us why is it such a passion for you? 
I mean, women helping women is how I got probably to where I am today, Um, starting with close girlfriends that are still really core to sort of the experience of my life, who are advisors and mentors and friends, to the women that I get to show up with at Deutsch every day, from whom I learn, uh, who teach me, who challenge me, who say, I don't know if you're thinking about it quite right. Strong women are sort of the core of... Uh, who I am. And so I think it's a great gift to be able to sort of share that experience. Yeah, a few people said to me um, when I told them that I was interviewing you, wow, that's weird that she would do that for you because you're both in advertising. And I said, actually, that says a lot about who she is. I mean, obviously, my agency is not even close to where you guys are. But the fact that, you know, you were so willing to just sit down with me, it means, you know, you're willing to kind of help in this mission in She Dynasty. And that says a lot. I have never really looked at the agency landscape as one of competition in that way. I think that, you know, when agencies grow, when they succeed, when the work gets better, when the talent gets better, everyone rises together. There are plenty of clients to go around. Exactly. There's enough success to be had for everyone. That's that's right. That's always my mission. That's right. That's right. And when Deutsch first started um, and we're sort of like emerging on the L.A. landscape, there weren't a ton of agencies in L.A. And one of the things that I took a lot of pride in was just helping to sort of raise the voices of L.A. advertising. Right. Because it was great for all of us. As I mentioned earlier, we have gone down two totally, totally different paths, yet there are so many parallels. You went down more of a traditional route straight out of college, and I opened my own agency right out of school, so it's so, so different, but again, probably so, so similar. We both have two daughters exactly the same age. It's kind of weird. Kind of (laughs) weird. Yeah. We're both females leading agencies. We're both born and raised in California. I've never left. For me, it's something that I always wished that I could do. Did you ever wish that you could live somewhere else? I think I sort of fantasized about living in New York for a while. Right, we Um, all do. Every time I go to Montana, I plan on never coming back. And then I desperately miss LA. I was in London last week. I thought, I wish I could live in London for a while. So I think now it's one of those like in the future moments. Right, right. So where were you born? I was born in the Bay Area. Tell us a little bit about your childhood. Okay. Um, I sort of had two childhoods, actually, which I think is sort of interesting just from a sociological standpoint. So um, I have a brother who's two years younger than me, and I've got another brother who's 11 years younger than me. Oh, wow. So, you know, I had this very traditional family, like mom, dad, brother, dog, suburbs. um, And then my dad passed away when I was in high school. And suddenly it was a different, it was a different family. I now had like a third, a second brother. So there were three kids and it was sort of like um, three parents and one kid. Me and my brother and my mom sort of banded together Mm -hmm. and this sort of parental collective of Christopher. Right. So you mentioned that your father passed away when you were in high school. And I'm sure obviously that was very devastating. What did that moment teach you? Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of things, right? Probably the biggest one is that the scariest thing can happen and you're still okay and you can still be okay. I hear a lot like, oh, you seem like a really strong person. Right. And a lot of times I don't feel strong at all. But I think perhaps there's something sort of deep that lies within you that emerges when you learn some big lessons when you're young. Yeah, I think think that's really important for people to hear. There's probably so many people who are listening who are going through something really tough and loss and You know, just knowing that you're going to get through it. I mean, look at all the success that you've had in your life and you have a beautiful family. So I think that's really important for people to hear. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, sure. So your very first job was working at a stable. 
That's right. Tell us what that taught you. That's right. I mean, the reward of physical work. I think that sometimes that's not something that gets a ton of attention or energy, but you know, there's a lot of things that come from cleaning out a stall. It was messy and then it was clean. Right. <laughs> right? It's wildly satisfying. And it's still something that I do. You know, I still like to sort of get in there and do physical things. It makes me feel great. Um, but the other thing about riding horses is it's like a collaboration. It is. You can't do anything on your own. Nope. So there's a lot of like, how are we going to figure this out together? Mm-hmm. And how are we going to sort of like cajole <laughs> sometimes? So maybe in, in the most indirect way, it was early management training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that nature of that collaboration is something that also creates a lot of difference in the sport from other sports. Right. You know, horseback riding is the only Olympic sport where men and women compete equally. Oh. Same division. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yes. Really? Yeah. Fascinating, right? And also, if you look at the ages of competitors, you've got like really, you know, young people, but a lot of people in their 40s, 50s, 60s compete at the very highest level of the sport. Wow. And so it, it raises that notion of sort of like equality and like how do you get there? And it's through this notion really of teamwork yeah. that really allows people to like stay in the game and stay in the sport. I think there's probably a metaphor there for um for advertising definitely yeah so tell us about student life were you a good student i worked pretty hard you did yeah. straight a's yeah okay um <laughs> so you went to ucla i did in your major psychology psychology oh yeah my gosh, that plays such a, a role in advertising so probably very very helpful as a foundation i think if i'm being honest it was probably a little bit more of a self-help move mm-hmm. um it was sort of one of those like I really want to discover myself and learn about myself. So I used four years of college to help myself do that. Did it work? I mean, I'm getting there. It's always a work in progress, right? I'm getting there. Beautiful. Yeah. So how did you figure out that advertising was your path? Was there any sparks early on that you just knew advertising was your calling? You know, it's funny because um, one of the things that I do is I teach at USC. Right. I look at these kids in college, and they've got extraordinary visions of what they want their career to be. Mm-hmm. And they're focused on their LinkedIn numbers and their perfect resumes. Uh, that does not describe me. My first job in advertising was over the summer while I was still in college. Okay. And it was just that. It was a job. And so you just I, kind of fell into it. It wasn't something that you like sought out. It really wasn't. And so it was something that I sort of did fall into, mm-hmm. which, by the way, if you look at the data, and I did a big study with the Fourys that proved this, the majority of people in advertising fell into it. Really? You are the exception, in I fact. I know. I'm a weirdo. Um, you know, it's like a lot of people who are sort of creative people and ambitious people and entrepreneurial people who sort of find this fit. Right. It unlocks something in them. And that's what I would say it did for me, too. So you jumped sure. right into advertising. You've mm-hmm. only had a few jobs before you went to Deutsch. And you were um, at a smaller agency. And so now you've had the experience of a small agency and a big agency. And this is kind of the running joke at the Woo, just because I've never worked anywhere else. And <laughs> it's so amazing. It's kind of you know bizarre. And like one of my like big fantasies is to always go on an interview and see if I could get a job at a big agency, which is hilarious, oh <laughs> which is hilarious. I talk about it all the time. My husband thinks I'm crazy. I'm like, do you realize I've never, ever been on an interview, ever? Like, it's so crazy. And I'm like, I wonder if I could get a job. <laughs> it's kind of funny. But anyways, I want to hear. It's, ama- it's amazing. It's, I'm so proud of you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. But um, you know what I wanted to hear is people constantly love to tell me the difference between 
big agencies and small agencies because a lot of my employees come from larger agencies mm. and so they, they love to call out the differences I'm like yeah well then if you know if that's better for you then you might need to go there so tell us for you know for you what is one of the major differences between big and small agencies well agencies are just collections of people correct and in real terms people in a big agency probably don't interact with everyone who's there right and so I think that the biggest difference from my standpoint is just resources and scale it's easier at a bigger agency because you have more specialists you have more people who can jump on an idea when you have it um, and you've got more sort of diverse skill sets to tap into but I think there's a ton of joy in working at a small agency you know, like the place that I was at, which was Kirschenbaum up in San Francisco before I joined Deutsch, it was it was like a tiny, you know, we're kind of all on this mission together right. kind of vibe. There was a big kitchen in the middle of the agency. And I think, you know, one of the things that's important to me at Deutsch is trying to continue to instill that spirit. Right. Okay, so how long did you work in small agencies for? I probably had eight to ten years, okay. um, you know, starting from my college jobs right. before I joined Deutsch. And so there's probably like an entrepreneurial spirit that you learned from those um, smaller agencies that maybe you carried forward to where you are now? A hundred percent. I feel like I've been so lucky to work with people who have a real roll their sleeves up, figure out how to make it happen sort of attitude. Um, and I look at some of my peers from those experiences, and they're running companies today, and they're running them really well. Right. So I've, I've had the gift of um, some really smart people to learn from along the way. Awesome. So after that experience, you kind of made a shift and decided to go to a larger agency. Yeah. So what attracted you to Deutsch in the beginning? The people were so smart. There was something that really set them apart. There was sort of a, a professionalism um, of everyone in every department at every level that I had never really encountered. Like everyone I talked to just seemed so pro mm -hmm. in their jobs. And I wanted, I wanted to be a part of that. Like I really wanted to be a part of that energy. So and it was I an easy to... decision for you to make the move. It was a strange decision because my husband was working there. My fiance at the time was working there. Oh. And we desperately did not want to work together. We were starting a life together. Right. I was moving to LA to uh, be with him. And the last thing we wanted was our lives to be right on top of each other. So it was actually the, the place on my list that I had a, a sort of red stop sign in front of. Um, and then when I met everybody there, I thought, okay, screw that. You right. know, like, yeah. I want to do this. It just was meant to be. That's right. And like me, after getting married, you decided to keep your maiden name. This is a big bone of contention in my house. I don't know about your house, but my house, um, my husband, drives, it drives him crazy. Tell me, oh. tell me why you made that decision. There was actually a printed phone list at Deutsch at the time, uh -huh. and I, we didn't want our names next to each other. Oh, wow, so you have a really good reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was really important for us to have that intentional separation wow. in our experiences yeah. there. And there were a lot of people at Deutsch who had zero notion that we were married. Oh, we, would, we would pass each other in the halls and not make eye contact sometimes. It was odd. But that was really important to me. Yeah, for me, I didn't take my husband's last name for a very, very different reason. And I love asking women this reason because okay. it's very different for everybody. So um, I'm Jewish and okay. my husband is not. Okay. And so I was not ready to give up my Jewish identity. I get that. Another thing we have in common, my husband is Jewish. Oh. And that has played a really important role in our marriage and in our family. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Lots of parallels. Yeah. I kind of love it. Yeah. So um, you started as an account director yeah. um, at Deutsch. What were your aspirations at the time? I wanted to be the best damn account director I could be. Really, I was laser focused on that. 
So obviously, um, you know, I looked at your LinkedIn profile and it was a very kind of steady climb to the position where you are now. Obviously, mm -hmm. um, you exceeded expectations and got promotions and kind of got to your position. What do you think set you apart from, you know, other account directors that were there? Well, first of all, I feel really grateful to have the position that I have. It's something that means a ton to me. And, and the confidence that the organization has in me is something that I really appreciate. Mm -hmm. I wasn't one of those people that was like ticking off career goals. I was much more focused through the lens of how can I help. Right. And I think coming at the job through that lens allowed me to open the aperture of my influence in the company. Okay. So that meant everything from, hey, you know, how can we be running this department better? How could we start a new department? Is there a new way to pitch business? Can we sort of change the rules on how we do things? Mm -hmm. But it was really much more immediate. It was much more like, how can I show up as my best today? Or how can I change things right now? As opposed to, here's my vision for what everything's going to look like in five years. You know, what you're talking about is very interesting. It's kind of a common theme that I hear. You did the job you were hired to do the best you could do it. But what you started to do was kind of look outside your role a, a bit to mm -hmm. see how you could better the agency. That probably was a part of what help get you noticed? One of the core values at Deutsch is think like an owner. And I think I was really fortunate to be at a place that encouraged me to do that. Love it. And so everything was, how can we make this a better place for ourselves, for our clients, for each other? Perfect. So was there anybody specific, any mentors or sponsors within the organization that really saw this fire in you and like really kind of led you down a great path? Yeah. I mean, Mike Sheldon is a really important person to me. He's someone who has been a mentor and a leader. And I think he saw things for me that I couldn't even quite see for myself. I've worked with him for 16 years, and I really appreciate the opportunities he's created for me. That sounds like a very special relationship. Yeah. So let's talk about um, the role of a president. Mm. A lot of people in advertising might not know, what does it mean to be president of an agency? What do you do every day? My days are like not always the same. Right. Um, I figured. But yeah, I, of course, right? I think the number one role is to be able to set the people up in the agency to win. Right. When you can set people up, talented people up to succeed and win, it unlocks like unbelievable energy. Right. And so that's what I see as my number one job. So what kind of decisions are you a part of every day? All of it. Um, the decisions that I enjoy the most are the ones that are closest to our clients' business and the work that we're creating. Okay. You know, that's the real joy in advertising is the creative work that we get to build, the ideas we get to put out in the world. So those are the decisions that I try to spend the most time on, really collaborating with our creative and strategy teams and working to get the very best ideas out in the world. But yes, of course, then there's all the other dynamics of leading a business, trying to create an environment where the very best work can happen requires a lot of sort of delicate financial mm -hmm. choices mm -hmm. um, that get made almost every day. Um, and that's that's an important part of the job, too. So your job's not only internal. You're still um, very involved with your clients. I'm super involved with our clients, and we're so fortunate to have really great partners. And it's funny, I, I look around at the agency business, and I don't know if clients are given enough um, recognition for the role that they play. You know, agencies... And, you know, agency teams spend more time with their client partners than they often do with other people in the agency. Right. So our clients don't just influence the work that we create. 
but they influence the culture of the company too. Um, So the clients that we work with, well, first of all, like we've got some incredible, incredible folks, um, incredible brands, but also incredible people working at those brands. They they play a huge difference in, in who we are and the experience we have every day. So what's your favorite part of the job? I love it when a client says yes to a bold, scary, ambitious idea. I love it. I, I love it, and I love seeing that work get out in the world. I just love it. How would you describe your leadership style? I'm a real optimist. Um, I'm also someone who is really in the trenches with everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, if the team's there working, I'm there working. I like to sort of be on the ground helping to solve problems and figure them out. How do you think people perceive you, and is it accurate? And the reason I ask this is, again, my team's much smaller. I'm about 60 people. But what is interesting is I often hear um, some of my younger, newer employees, like, are so intimidated by me. And I sure. don't get that. Like, I just come talk to me. Like, it's kind of an interesting thing, just a dynamic of being the boss or being in charge that automatically happens. So I'm just curious, how do you think people perceive you? Because not everyone at your agency gets access to you all the time. I mean, Maybe this makes your point. I probably don't have a tremendously good read on that. You know, what, what happens, and you know, uh, as you sort of get further and further into the leadership team of an organization, is that you have less of a handle on that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I have heard some of those same themes, right? I could be intimidating. Um, and I hate that. I hate it. I hate it. Because I, I'm probably more often intimidated um, than intimidating. And that's something that I, I just have to keep keep working on, you know. And, and I think one of the things that can happen is that because you sort of spend time, particularly in a large company with a smaller group of people, mm-hmm. you don't all, you think everyone's having the same experience as you. Mm-mm. You know, you think they're kind of showing up every day, kind of feeling the same things, thinking the same things, and not having a great read on the experience of someone right. who, you know, is doing a different role and who is maybe a few years into the business. So that's something that I'm working on is sort of creating a better a better understanding of that mm-hmm. so that we can then, you know, build programs mm-hmm. and experiences that are connecting everyone. Yeah. You know, the thing that we really encourage at Deutsch is just to assume positive intent mm-hmm. because certainly, you know, you don't always connect directly on a perspective on something or the way to solve a problem. But if you can look at it through that lens, then I think that helps. How does someone really impress you? Vulnerability, you know, when people can really put themselves out there and speak the way they're thinking, feeling, seeing. It's such an important part of succeeding in a creative role. Mm -hmm. That really means a lot. People who can just like put it all out there. I agree. I feel like a lot of, um, I see a lot of ego and sometimes I just wish people would be okay with taking responsibility when they make mistakes, mm-hmm. um, you know, or owning up to, I'm not so sure I'm good at that. And sometimes, you know, I feel like ego gets in the way. So I think vulnerability is very, very important as well. What type of employee works really well with you? You know, people who can see what they want from the job and go out there to make it happen. You know, one of the things that we challenge people to do at Deutsch is, like, what would you do if you didn't have a boss? Would you send that ad out the way it was? Right. Would you send that email out the way it was? Right. Or would you keep working on it? Right. You know, to really have that lens of, like, what do I want to do? How do I want to make this great? Those are the people who tend to do best. 
Okay. All right. So we're going to move on to some snags because anybody who's successful, as we all know, has some snags along the way. Deutsch has won so much business and is so incredible, but obviously there's been moments where you've lost a pitch. Sure. Um, Explain to people listening, because not everyone listening is going to be in advertising, how much goes into a pitch and what it's like, you know, to lose. (laughs) Um, Well, it depends, certainly. But for a major piece of business, as you know, you could be looking at three months of your life, you know, not just your your physical life, um, because you give a ton of time, energy, Mm -hmm. um, effort, but you know, your emotional life too, because you get so invested in the vision that you've seen for a brand and where it can go. Mm -hmm. Um, The pitch process is sort of a one of whittling down too. So you might start with 20 agencies that gets cut to eight, that gets cut cut to three. So once you're in that sort of small group, um, you're deeply, deeply invested. So as a leader, it's probably really important to make sure that, you know, if something like that happens, that you keep the morale up. And obviously, there needs to be a time to kind of mourn that you didn't win because that's part of it. Um, How do you deal with that? You know, we have a pretty simple lens on new business, which is we leave it all on the field. And as long as we walked out of that room in that final meeting, because at the end of the day, it's only about winning that last meeting. Right. And felt like we did a great job. We feel great. Right. And we have to remember that. We're not going to be right for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. We're not trying to be right for everybody. So we truly really try to stay focused on playing our own game and playing our own game as best we can and, and finding the satisfaction from that. Have you ever experienced any profound moments of sexism in your career that have affected you? Oh, sure. Everybody has. <laughs> uh, find, find a woman who's been working since the 90s. Um, believe me, that's unfortunately been a part of the experience. I, I think that for the most part, though, those, those observations or those experiences are, are unintended by the people who are delivering them. And so I think an important role as a woman is to educate mm-hmm. and is to reframe mm-hmm. and is to challenge so that everyone's sort of like tuning up their game along the way. Yeah. And I feel a real responsibility toward that. You know, a few years ago, um, we had a client and I have a business partner, we're 50-50 partners mm-hmm. and he's a man. And we went to um, talk about signing a contract and we had pitched and you know we'd won. And when I got there, um, the gentleman, the marketing director asked me if I could step outside because it was like men's talk. It was, it was like such no. a, perf- I remember just like getting this like lump in my throat. It was like, well, you know, my role at the time was executive creative director, but still he knew I was one of the owners of the agency and I just, I, I don't know, I think about it all the time. You know, it was a hard decision for me if I even wanted to, like, work with him after that. But, you know, at the time, um, we talked about it, and we made a hard decision. This was years and years ago, so things were very, very different. But we needed the business. I've never had an experience like that one. Um, but, you know, I, I've been in rooms where people have said things like, you know, first of all, you know, being the only woman in the room is a pretty it's, – it's, it doesn't really ever happen anymore. And I'm so thrilled about that. But there were years where, you know, the only chick in the room was sort of the way that my experience of work happened. And it would not be unusual to hear someone say something like, oh, we can't say that in front of Kim. And I would remind them, well, that's my gift. You know, if you can't say it in front of me, you probably shouldn't be saying it. And and it gets down to simple things like um, I'm really conscientious of the pronouns we use at the agency. No more like, hey, guys. Oh. We're not guys. Don't have this presumptive gender perspective. 
um, really, really be inclusive in all of all of your language because our words influence our thoughts. Yeah, those little details make a difference. They do. They do. So tell us about one of your proudest wins and why you were so proud of it. Um, you know, I was really, really proud of going back to the new business pitch thing. Um, we had an experience where we didn't win. And I was shocked because I was so convinced that we were right. Right. I, I hate that. I mean, I was convinced. <laughs> I just knew it. Yes. it happened and a lot. when the client called to tell me that we hadn't won, I said, you know, you're you're wrong. You're making the wrong call. That was your answer. Yeah. I said, you're making the wrong call and you can, you can do this, but I am 100% confident that we're going to work together because it's the best thing for you. And I'm not always like that confident. You just knew. <laughs> I wish I was, but I knew. And I, I really stayed connected uh, with her because of that belief. And because of that real sense, I could see how things should be. And it was about six months later that she called me and said, you're right. I made the wrong call. We should be working together. And we made it happen. See, that's really a big win because you took a snag and then shifted it into a huge success. They don't always work out that way. But um, I was really happy that I was able to advocate for the agency and, and push for that. Okay, so I hear, just because I've had um, the pleasure of working with people that you've worked with, that mm. you are fiercely loyal to your employees who really have earned it. And this is something that I'm sure we both deal with. Um, do you ever feel resentful when you elevate someone so much and like believe in them and then they leave? I don't think resentful is a word that, that I use. Um, the reality is that agencies and companies are like pyramids and you want to create as much opportunity for people as you can Mm -hmm. but like sometimes in order to like grab that next rung on the ladder Mm -hmm. someone does need to like pop out yeah and grab that ring and it creates opportunity for other people and i think that if you can support them in that way then you're helping them so like we just had we just had an amazing woman from deutsch leave to go take the top spot running an agency and you know i was deeply sad but I was also super like, happy, for super her. thrilled for her. Yeah. So I think we're a little bit more focused not on, you know, you need to spend your entire career here. Right. <laughs> um, but we want you to have an incredible experience where you are here. Right. And, and think, give as much as you can and learn as much yeah. as you can. I think my perspective on this has changed. I think when I was younger in my career, it was um, something that would disappoint me. But then when you see that you um, have become a stepping stone to help them get to the next spot, there's something super, super satisfying about that. And I've had so many amazing women like email me and tell me now that they're, you know, account directors, people who started as receptionists, people that, you know, started um, as interns and have these incredible jobs. And so that's very satisfying as well, I'm sure for you as well. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool to watch the Deutsche alumni out in the world yeah. um, and to see everything that they're doing and to feel just some connection to that community. Right. Um, there's one question I dislike the most. And that is work-life balance. Mm. And I like when I Googled you, there's an article that popped up all about why you hate it. And so I was like, oh, I love this woman. I love her. Just because I feel like you and I kind of get why that question is so, so annoying. And I heard you speak on a panel um, a few months ago, and you talked a little bit about how life and um, work kind of have blurred into one thing. And I think what's important for people to realize 
work and life is one thing. Like together they are a unit, they um, kind of come together and I have to figure out how to intertwine them because my happiness comes equally from my family and from my work. And if you take one away from me, then I'm only half the person that I am going to be. So I wanna hear a little bit about how you feel about that. I mean, you and I have sort of a similar lens, right? Um, The reason I hate the notion of work-life balance. This is a new term, right? We didn't have this 10 years ago. It's like a new thing that's popped up. I I mean, I I think the idea of personal satisfaction is probably a a stronger driving force. And people need to be able to sort of design a life that they find really satisfying Mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. And that's unique for everybody. I think that the notion of work-life balance is flawed because it doesn't recognize the trade-offs. Shonda Rhimes said something years ago that I loved, which was, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, for every table read, you're missing a ballet recital. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to appreciate that you can have everything you want, but you can't have it all at once. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, I just don't like this notion of, like, setting up this false expectation. Mm -hmm. Like, life is full of Mm trade-offs, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And being able to prioritize day by day is what makes it work. Uh, you know, a long time ago, I remember a pediatrician with the girls talking about, like, a healthy week. You know, you're not always going to have a healthy meal. You need to have a healthy week. Mm-hmm. And and sort of get to that get to that spirit collectively. That That's sort of how I, I look to manage my life, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some days it's really all about family, and some days it's really all about work. Right. And both of those days can be great days. And your kids understand that, right? My kids could work at Deutsch. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's hard they, but you know what's great is that they take a tremendous amount of pride in what I've accomplished and it's really it's really cute I never could have expected that that's been an unexpected gift for me the way they see me and um, I'm thrilled by that I think that they get it because they've never known anything different you know they see how I've intertwined work and life and they kind of have learned to adjust around it and I think that it makes them also a bit more driven so maybe we can get our girls together and they can start an agency when they get that would be an amazing (laughs) that would be an amazing plan right I love that idea I mean the other problem with that premise which I hadn't quite thought about before of work-life balance is that men are often left out of it yeah they're left out of that conversation yep and the reality is that we need to be helping everybody in our organizations really live the life that works for them. And if we make that just a female-centered conversation, there's a ton of bias in that also. Agreed. Do you ever still um, interview people? Of course. So what advice do you give to those who interview? The first thing I'd say is be as natural as you can. Like assessing fit is something that's important on both sides. And the more true you can be to who you are, to what you are really good at, um, what you really care about, mm-hmm. I think is going to read the best. Like making a decision about work is a massive decision. It's where you spend the majority of your time. Huge. So don't lose sight of the fact that there's sort of an assessment happening on both sides of the table. Right. And also remember the power of like telling stories. Stories really help. <laughs> yeah, because you get to know someone on a more personal level. And you get to appreciate what they're really good at. Right. So I'm in the storytelling business, of course, so I probably have a lot of bias as it relates to that. But I think they really matter. And this is an industry-wide problem, but there's obviously such a high turnover rate um, that we're all experiencing just with people kind of jumping from job to job. Sure. What ways do you find to keep your employees happy? 
Well, one of the things that has been really rewarding for me, and so it's something I encourage in others, is like don't change jobs, but change your job. And by that, I mean you don't need to go to a new organization in order to kind of make an adjustment that makes you you know, more fulfilled or helps you approach something or learn something new. You're a testament to that because, like you said, when you were an account director, you kind of came up with new kind of ideas and roles for yourself that sounds like helped kind of propel you and fulfill you personally. That's right. Don't be afraid to look around and say, hey, you know what? I really want to be in production. Can I work in production? Just raise your hand and start talking about it. I think people are nervous that if they kind of raise their hand and ask for some a shift like that, that it's going to you know, cost them their job. And I mean, at the end of the day, the answer can just be, it's not the right time or you're not the right fit or we don't have the need right now, but you're not going to necessarily like lose your job over it. Oh, for sure not. Yeah. And the reality is no one can advocate for you like you. Right. Because no one understands your right. needs and your ambitions right. like you. So it's really important to do that, to raise your hand. What has inspired you the most about younger generations? I think the notion of um, just being being totally confident just doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's amazing. It's different. It there's There's a feeling of, you know, I don't need to have... Um, done something for 10 years in order to be good at it. Mm-hmm. There's a feeling of I don't need someone with more experience than me to help coach me through something. Right. Um, there's just a belief in invention and vision. And that's something that is not only super important for like creative businesses like ours, but for the world. I mean, I look at, for example, um, you know, what's happening with teens with climate change. Now, that's about survival, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that, and we're lucky to work with Patagonia on some of their climate change work, but, but they're the ones who are going to save all of us. Mm-hmm. So seeing that makes me really excited. What is one thing you wish that younger generations did more similarly to our generation? Listen, sometimes. <laughs> Fair um, there's a lot. There's a lot to be learned from people around you. For sure. I think the magic is when you have that fresh thinking and that kind of coupled with experience. And so when you put the two together, that's where real magic happens. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Do you think women still have to try harder in advertising? Or is it getting better? It's getting a lot better. It's getting a lot better. But I think anyone who is managing a family and a career has two really big, important jobs. Absolutely. What's one skill you wish that you had that you don't? Like a specific skill? I wish I could draw. Me too. Oh my gosh. I have two. I wish I could draw and I wish I could sing. Okay. Those are my two. Well, you know what's so, I I appreciate they're so connected because singing is just like an instrument you carry around within you. Right. And so is drawing. Yeah. And I, one of the things I've got on my like to-do list is to take a drawing class, but I've never made time for it. Tell us about a major personal shift or turning point in your career. The year I became president, which I think was 2015, was a wild one for me. Number one, it wasn't a job that I had sort of seen myself doing. Right. Um, so it was sort of an unexpected opportunity. I actually had to think about it for a few days before I said yes. Mm-hmm. And it was a it was a crazy year for us as a company. I think we hired almost 200 people. We mm-hmm. took on an additional space across the street. We were onboarding a major client. Wow. It was terrifying. It was exciting. I probably learned the most about myself in that year. 2016, I kind of got my sea legs. I can imagine. It sounds like a big, um, a big step up. And how do you feel like 
Since you had already worked at the company mm-hmm. and it wasn't you weren't someone who just came in new, did you feel like you had to prove yourself to those around you? I felt a real sense of responsibility for our people. Um, I felt a real sense of obligation to help things go well. And I think that sometimes I probably put even too much pressure on myself to accomplish that. Right. And I don't know if that made me better. Okay. Is there one piece of professional advice that someone's given you that you've really held dear to your heart? Find a way to say yes. It's so easy to say no, and it is a lot harder to say yes. And it's through saying yes that you probably unleash the most valuable parts of your organization and your biggest ideas. That's my motto. What is? What are you most grateful for? Oh, gosh. I never could have appreciated the power of being a mom and how awesome my girls are. And the, you know, they crack me up. They're terrified of me when I dance. Mm-hmm. The joy of it is is pretty awesome. If money wasn't an issue, what company do you think would be fun to work at? I like the company I work at. Oh, okay, great answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think that fulfillment from work comes from deeply caring about it. Right. And you have your dream job. Well, the more you care, the more fulfillment you get back. And I think it's really hard to replicate that in a new space. Have you ever considered starting your own agency? I kind of feel like I have that. And, and, I, and I hope that that doesn't sound obnoxious. No, not at all. Um, but what would be more special or unique about starting my own agency other than the name on the door? Right. How do you define success? Learning. I think learning is really important. Showing up with people that you learn from and that you get to share some knowledge with, that really matters to me. And what is some actionable advice for anyone listening who wants to get to the top in advertising? Oh, gosh. Um, It's a big one. Put it all out there. Like, don't hold back. Don't hold back yourself. Don't edit your ideas. Don't edit your feelings. Like, the more you, you can be. Advertising is a deeply personal career. And I think some of the very best ideas that we've put out in the world have been informed by someone's personal experience or personal lens. So share it. Beautiful. Okay, well, I think that concludes our interview. And I just want to take a second again to thank you for being here today. I can't express to you how much this means to me. I have been looking forward to this interview more than any other interview that I have done. I and don't I, believe I, that. I, it's just because you're you're in my field. And so we all have people that we look up to. And I think, like, like I mentioned, I took such a different path than you, you know. And I am so impressed by what you've done because I feel like you've had so much harder of a way to navigate through all of you know what comes with a big giant company and corporation to me that's way harder again i got to set my own rules so obviously different challenges but you have made it work at this amazing company and done amazing things led them to success and i really look up to you and so it means a lot to for me to sit down with you today so thank you thank you thank you i'm just overwhelmed by the generosity of that statement Uh, and i think there's a lot of people that feel that way it just reminds me of what makes advertising so cool is that we do have this really amazing community of thinkers and 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 people that we get to spend our time with and I just have a ton of gratitude. I've got a ton of gratitude for the people I get to do that with at Deutsch, like an amazing team. But, you know, days like today when I get to actually spend time with someone like you reminds me why I love this thing that we do. We're really lucky. All right, well thank you again. Thank you. I 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'd really appreciate if you like this podcast, if you would go on to whatever platform you listen to it on and subscribe. And also please, please leave a comment. Also, please follow us on Instagram at she underscore dynasty. And uh, please be a part of our community. Thank <laughs> you.